highly recommend after the service that grab yourself a couple of people, go for lunch or something, or when you're in your small group, have somebody read it through, all four chapters, right from beginning to end. Don't interrupt them and have everybody else just take some notes. And then at the end of it, talk about the notes that you took. It's really worth it. Now, here's how you do it. Like I say, you get one person to, to read it or two people to read it. Everyone else takes notes. Here's the important part. When you finish discussing it, ask yourself the important questions. What did I learn from Ruth? What did I learn from Boaz? What did I learn from Naomi that I can apply to my life? What can I do about it this week? What action steps can I take? Because you don't want to just listen to Scripture and then, you know, oh, that was great. That was interesting. That's never was God's intent. He wanted us to take something from it and do something with it. Now, as I've been doing throughout this series, we're not going to read all four chapters. I'm going to dive into the scripture, come out, dive back into the scripture as I tell you the story. Normally I say, get turn to your Bibles, but it's easier when I'm doing this to just follow it up on the screen. If you've got your Bible, certainly turn there. So let's pray and, and we'll, we'll, we'll jump right in. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. What a beautiful morning. There's, there's no wind. The sky is perfectly blue. It's warm. And you are here. And that's what's important. Father, would you just open up our eyes, our hearts, the very essence of who we are to who you are this morning. Your love for us the fact that you are there even when sometimes we feel that you're not there. Show us what you would teach us today, Father, and unify us in your spirit. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So it begins Ruth chapter 1. I'm going to read the first five verses. It sets the story up. It says, In the days when the judges ruled in Israel. So this takes place to kind of put a timeline on it. It's about They were prone to disobedience, and they were prone to the consequences of that disobedience. It says, in the days when the judges ruled in Israel, a severe famine came upon the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah left his home and went to live in the country of Moab, taking his wife and two sons with him. Moab was a country that was east of the Jordan River, traditionally Israel's enemy. Last week, we talked about Abraham. I don't know if you remember, Abraham left Ur of the Chaldeans with his grands, his nephew, Lot. Lot's first child was called Moab. That's where the Moabites came from. So, same root. But they've been the enemy of Israel. And they worshipped pagan gods, and they were a pagan culture. It says the man's name was Elimelech, and his wife was Naomi. Their two sons were Mahlon and Kilion. They were Epaphrathites from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. And when they reached Moab, they settled there. Then Emelach died, and Naomi was left with her two sons. The two sons married Moabite women. One married a woman named Orpah, the other a woman named Ruth. But about ten years later, both Mahlon and Kilion died. 
This left Naomi alone without her two sons and her husband. So that sets everything up. Um, you know, as I, as I read through the four chapters, I kind of named them for myself. Chapter one is tragedy. It, it, it's tragedy. Can you imagine? I mean, it starts off with hardship. They're living in, the, in Judah, and there's a famine. There's no food in the pantry. So they decide, we, we got to move. So they move to their traditional enemy's country. So they're probably not well received there. So this hardship that they've experienced in Judah kind of goes with them. And now they're in Moab. Husband dies. They don't know what he dies of. Two boys. She's still got her boys. Boys get married to Moabite woman. And then the boys both die. I doubt that they died at the same time. So I'm sure it was husband died. Then one son died. Then the other son died. And there's no children. There's no lineage. I mean, that is tragedy, isn't it? That, uh, how do you deal with something like that? And so there, now there's three widows. Now back in these days, it wasn't good for a woman to be alone. The society was not set up to care for the marginalized in society, and women were marginalized in society. So for them to earn a living to, would, would be just a terrible, terrible hardship. You had to have a man. That's the way that it was. So what are they going to do? Well, Naomi hears the famine is over in Judah. I'm going to go back to Judah, and she heads out with her two daughters-in-law. On the way, Naomi kind of thinks, this is probably not a good plan. These girls are still young. They need to get married. If I take them into Israel, to Judah, they're foreigners. They're not going to be accepted. They're probably not going to get married. And she says to the two girls, you know what? I'm going to go to Judah. You head on back to your families. You can get married again. And both the girls say, no, 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 no. We're, we're going to go with you. And Naomi says, no, no, it, there, there's no point. You're not going to get married there. Uh, what are you going to do? I'm too old to have children. And even if I could have children, you, are you seriously going to wait till they're old enough for you to get married? And so the one girl decides, okay, Orpah gives, they're all crying. It says they're crying. Gives Ruth a kiss and heads back to her family. Now, let's tell the truth. It's probably what I would have done. <laughs> like, yeah. Hope it works out for you and Judah. You're right. Really not a good road for me. See you later. It's been nice knowing you. I would have probably headed back. But Ruth, in an act of supreme loyalty and kindness, says this. It's verses 16 and 17. She says, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Wherever you die, I will die and there I will be buried. And then she adds this. May the Lord punish me severely if I allow anything but death to separate us. I mean, that's, that's, that's a big deal, isn't it? I mean, that is loyalty supreme right there. So they head back to Judah together. When they get to Bethlehem, the town is stirred. Apparently, Naomi is well known and all the people come out. Is this Naomi? Naomi's back. Hey, Naomi. And um, 
In verse 20, Naomi sums it up. She says, don't call me Naomi. Instead, call me Mara, for the Almighty has made my life very bitter. Mara is the Hebrew word for bitter. I want my name to be bitter because my life is bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me home empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has caused me to suffer and the Almighty has sent such tragedy upon me? Sometimes people do that, don't they? You know, when, when stuff happens to you that really hurts you to the core and you're trying to make sense of it, e even good Christian people, suddenly it's like, why, why are you doing this, God? Why are you doing this to me? And then chapter 1 ends by saying they arrive in Bethlehem in late spring at the beginning of the barley harvest. Chapter 2, I called this one Hardship and Kindness. So now these two ladies have got to try and make it on their own. Now here we get introduced to Boaz. I like the way the Holman Christian Standard Bible puts it right at the beginning, Ruth chapter 2, 1. He says, now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side named Boaz. He was a prominent man of noble character from Elimelech's family. A man of noble character. That's a great subject for Father's Day, isn't it? A man of noble character. I mean, that is something to aspire to be. That people would look at you and think, man, that guy's got character. A noble character. So Ruth and Naomi, they're getting hungry. And Ruth says, I got a, an idea. I'll go out into the harvest fields. There's a great harvest going on. And I'll pick up the stalks of grain left behind by the harvesters. Now, that was a common practice, especially for people like this, like I say, who are marginalized. These are two widows. They have, there, there's no social security. There, there's no support for them. They've they got to make it on their own. They're not getting unemployment. They're not getting welfare. They, they have to beg for food or they have to find a means to get food. And very often, women will turn to prostitution. That's a way of getting money for food. But doing this was dangerous, especially for a young woman. Providentially, and I love where you see God's hand in this, the field that Ruth chooses belongs to Boaz. She doesn't know that. She goes into the field. She's going behind the harvester. She's picking up the stuff that they drop. And, and Boaz shows up at this time. He sees her. She's working really hard. He goes to the the foreman, he says, Who, who's the young woman? Now, the foreman knows the story. Oh, that's Ruth. She's a Moabitess. She's Naomi's daughter-in-law. Tells Boaz the whole story about how she left Moab. She's stuck with Naomi, and, and, and now she's looking for food. And Boaz, his heart is moved by this story. Like, what loyalty? What? This is incredible. Why would she do this? Why would she come to this land to be a foreigner, a widowed foreigner? She's probably not going to get married and do this. And his heart is, is touched by Ruth's faithfulness and kindness. So he warns the men. This is how bad it was. He warns the men, keep your hands off of her. Yeah, it was not good for a woman in these situations. He goes to Ruth. He says, stay in my fields. Don't go to any other fields. You'll be safe here. Help yourself to the water that the, the boys have drawn 
and we'll take care of you. And in chapter 2, verses 10 and 12, it says, Ruth fell at his feet and thanked him warmly. What have I done to deserve such kindness, she asked. I'm only a foreigner. Yes, I know, Boaz replied, but I also know about everything you have done for your mother-in-law. I've heard how you left your father and mother and your own land to live here among complete strangers. And I love what he says here. May the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He's, he's praying over is what that is. May God bless you for your kindness and your loyalty. And then later, Boaz invites her to eat roasted grain with the harvester. She eats all she wants. She's got food left over, puts it in a bag. And Boaz goes to the harvesters. He says, we're going to let her go to the, when we've harvested and we've got the sheets. How do you pronounce that word? Farmers? Sheaths. Thank you. Sheaths. Sheaths. Let her pick from there and drop extra on the floor. He said, make sure there's plenty of food there. I'm going to take care of this young lady. I'm going to keep her safe. And again, he tells them, keep your hands off of her. So she goes home to Naomi. She's got all of this grain, and she's got some cooked grain from the meal. And Naomi's like, where did you go? She says, oh, I went to this field, and it was this guy called Boaz. And right away, Naomi's like, Boaz, he's a relative of ours. He's one of our redeemers. What chance? Wow, that's so good. And then she tells her, you know, he fed me, he protected me, he told me to come back and stay with his harvesters until the entire harvest is complete. And then uh, Naomi says this in verse 20, may the Lord bless him. Naomi told her daughter-in-law, he is showing his kindness to us as well as your dead husband. That man is one of our closest relatives, one of our family redeemers. Now we're going to talk about family redeemer in a minute. This is a good... There's some interesting things in this story. Chapter 3. I call chapter 3 hope. They got a light. They got some hope. This is where it begins to get good. There's one day, timeline, we have no idea. One day. So this has been going on. One day, Naomi said to Ruth, My daughter, it's time that I found a permanent home for you so that you will be provided for. So Naomi comes up with a plan. I had a plan for you, Ruth. You've been faithful to me. You've been loyal to me. I got a plan. She tells Ruth, clean yourself up. Don't dress like you're in mourning. Take a bath. Put on perfume. Dress in your nicest clothes. You wouldn't do that, would you, woman? No. She says, Boaz is going to be working hard all day at the threshing floor. When he lies down to sleep, Sneak on in there and lie down at his feet. He'll tell you what to do. Ruth agrees, follows her instructions. Now, I love this. So verses 7 through 15 in chapter 3, it says, After Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he lay down at the far end of the pile of grain and went to sleep. This is the way it was. You know, they, they work hard all day. They get to the end of the day. They're drinking a few glasses of wine. They're getting merry. And then... Oh, I'm going to lie down and sleep. And he's sleeping right where he's working. Then Ruth came quietly, uncovered his feet, and lay down. Around midnight, Boaz suddenly woke up and turned over. He was surprised to find a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? 
he asked. I'm your servant, Ruth, she replied. Spread the corner of your covering over me, for you are my family redeemer. The Lord bless you, my daughter, Boaz exclaimed. You are showing even more family loyalty now than you did before. For you have not gone after a younger man, whether rich or poor. Now don't worry about a thing, my daughter. I will do what is necessary, for everyone in town knows that you are a virtuous woman. So she's got a good reputation. But while it's true that I am one of your family redeemers, there's another man who's more closely related to you than I am. Stay here tonight, and in the morning I'll talk to him. If he's willing to redeem you, very well. Let him marry you. But if he's not willing, then as surely as the Lord lives, I will redeem you myself. Now lie down here until morning. So Ruth lay at Boaz's feet until morning, but she got up before it was light enough for people to recognize each other. For Boaz had said, no one must know that a woman was here at the threshing floor. Then Boaz said to her, bring your cloak and spread it out. And he measured six scoops of barley into the cloak, placed it on her back, and then he returned to town. All right, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this little passage of scripture right here. So let me explain what this family redeemer thing is. This is, goes back to Leviticus 12 or 15, I can't remember. But back in Leviticus, if, if a man was married and he died, he didn't have any children, it was the responsibility of, of his closest male relative to take on his responsibility. He would marry the widow and the children they have would be in the name of the husband that died. It was his duty to care for other family members that were in difficult situations. So that was the family redeemer. Now, the thing with the feet, this is kind of interesting. So uncovers his feet. She's lying at, at his feet. Now, I haven't found anywhere where I could verify this, what I'm about to tell you. So if this turns out to be true, you heard it here first, okay? So she's lying at his feet. His feet are uncovered. You ever lie with your feet uncovered? What is it? What do you do? It's chilly, right? You get cold feet. You get cold feet. So she's lying there. She uncovers his feet. He wakes up, middle of the night. His feet are cold. There's a woman at the bottom of the bed. She says, cover me over with your cover. Now, what that represented was if you cover me, you cover your feet and cover, you are taking on care of me. You're going to care for me. That's the sign. Basically, what she's doing is she's proposing to him. Now, he has to accept the proposal by covering over his feet and covering her over. Now, here's the part. I have no... I believe probably the saying we have, you got cold feet, probably comes from this. Because you didn't accept the proposal. You didn't accept the offer here. So he covers her over. This is the sign to her, I'm accepting you to, I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to redeem you. So she goes back to, to Naomi. 
And, uh, oh, but then he tells her there's a problem. Somebody else is next in line, not me. I'm not the one who's supposed to redeem you. Somebody else is supposed to redeem you. I'll sort it out tomorrow. So she goes back to, to Naomi, tells Naomi everything. Naomi is just supremely excited. You're kidding me. He covered you over. This is awesome. This is good. Shows her the big scoops of barley that Boaz has, has given her. And it's like, wow. And I love the last verse of this chapter. It says, then Naomi said to her, just be patient, my daughter, until we hear what happens. The man won't rest until he has settled things today. She is confident in Boaz's character. He's going to take care of this one way or another. So Naomi's happy because she knows Ruth's getting married. She's either marrying this first-in-line redeemer or she's marrying Boaz. But Ruth is getting married. Chapter 4, Redemption. Next day, Boaz goes to the town gate. Now, very often in Scripture, you'll read that, that people go to the gate of the town. In our modern society, the, everything happens downtown, right, at the core. In those days, it happened at the gate. Market would be set up at the gate, at the, the hub of the town every, would be at the gate. So Boaz goes to the gate, and he's waiting for this unnamed man, this, this other redeemer. And he sees the guy, says, hey, I, I need to talk to you. And he calls 10, 12 elders, I can't remember now. He calls a bunch of elders to, to be witnesses to their conversation. Ten. Ten leaders. And uh, he says, you remember Naomi? And the guy says, yeah. He says, well, you're the redeemer. She wants to sell her land and be redeemed. And the guy's like, hmm, this is an opportunity here. He, buys the, he can buy the land, but he also takes on the care of Naomi. But Naomi's old. He's not going to have any children. There's no worry to his inheritance getting going in the wrong direction. He thinks to himself, yep, sounds like a good deal. I'll do it. And then Boaz plays his ace card. He says, you also get the foreign girl, the Moabites, and you'll have to, to, to be her family redeemer. That means you honor her husband's lineage. You have children with her. Now the guy says, oh, no, 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 no. He says, I don't want to mess up my own estate. I don't want to mess up what my children get. If I, if I bring her in, my estate's going to get possibly split. No, no, I don't want to have anything to do with this. You marry her. I think we do that sometimes. You know, we don't mind helping if it's not inconvenient. If there's no cost to us, and if the cost or potential cost is, is big, the less likely we are. Well, somebody else, you know, let me pray for you. Maybe somebody else can help you with that. I'd like to help you. I just can't help you right now. I'm sorry. Go find a Boaz. Then Boaz said to the elders in the crowd standing around, You are witnesses that today I have bought from Naomi all the property of Elimelech, Kilion, and Mahlon. So all three husbands. And with the land I have acquired Ruth, Ruth the Moabite widow, to be my wife. This way 
she can have a son to carry on the family name of her dead husband and to inherit the family property here in his hometown. You are all witnesses today. Now, for, for Israelite people and the people of Judah, family name was massive. It was the sign of God's blessing that you would have your family name continued on, ancestry. It, 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 it was massive for them. But he is going to marry a foreigner. We don't know what relation Boaz was to Naomi's husband, but it, it was close enough for him to take on this responsibility, even though it meant marrying a foreigner. Now, this story, you've got to remember, it's not a fable. You know, you read Job. We don't know if Job is an actual event or whether it's a story, a lesson. Personally, I think it's a lesson. A lot of people think that it maybe actually happened. This, though, happened. There's no doubt that this is a real story. These are, these are real situations, and it has a wonderful end. Ruth becomes Boaz's wife, and they have a boy. And in verse four, 14, it says, Then the woman of the town said to Naomi, Praise the Lord, who has now provided a redeemer for your family. May this child be famous in Israel. May he restore your youth and care for you in your old age. For he is the son of your daughter-in-law who loves you and has been better to you than seven sons. Doesn't say much for men, does it? <laughs> Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Naomi took the baby and cuddled him to her breast and she cared for him as if he were her own. Naomi takes on being mother of this baby. The neighbor woman said, now at last Naomi has a son again. And they named him Obed. He became the father of Jesse and the grandfather of David. This is the gene genealogical record of their ancestor Perez. Perez was the father of Hezron. Hezron was the father of Ram. Ram was the father of Aminadab. Aminadab was the father of Nashon. Nashon was the father of Salmon. Salmon was the father of Boaz. Boaz was the father of Obed. Obed was the father of Jesse and Jesse was the father of David. And then further on down the line, we all know that Jesus came from the lineage of David. Now they got some history. I mean, Boaz was the, the family redeem, redeemer of Naomi and Ruth, and now he's going to be the ancestor of the greatest redeemer of all, Jesus Christ. Bonus point. Obed means serving or servant. I thought it was so interesting. Who would name their child servant? Unless the Holy Spirit came and said, he is going to be the ancestor of the greatest servant who will ever live. Here's your heritage. It's a great story, and it's worth a read and a deeper look. All right, let me... What do we learn from Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz? Let's begin with Naomi. First, God is always with us. Naomi's life was difficult and hard to say the least. It was tragic. And she felt as though she was cursed by God. But it wasn't true. The truth of the matter is, we live in a broken world. 
bad things happen to good people and good things happen to bad people. It's broken, but it's not going to stay broken. And the Lord is allowing it to stay this way for a period of time. But in his perfect timing, he is going to redeem what is his. Naomi thought, God's got it in for me. But in his perfect plan, he redeemed her. He restored the genealogy of her husband through Boaz. And she had a heritage that she couldn't even imagine. We don't always understand what God is doing. Especially when life gets tough. And things happen and, and, and we can't make sense of it. And sometimes when those things happen and they hurt us. How hurt must she have been? Her husband, and then her son, and then her other son, and no grandchildren. Love grandchildren. And sometimes when we get in those situations, we start asking the question, don't we? What's going on, God? Why, why are you allowing this? Why, why are you doing this? You've heard me say this many times. When I read things in the Bible or things happen that I don't understand, I look to what I do understand and what I do know. If there's something I can't make sense of, I look for what can I make sense of. Sometimes things happen and, and I don't understand why they happen, but this is what I do understand. I know my God is a loving God. I absolutely know that. I know my God has my best interest at heart. And even in the middle of, of difficult circumstances that make no sense to us, he is with us. He doesn't abandon us. He doesn't leave us. He is right there with us, walking in the pain, walking in the hurt. And, and when you look at this story, the Lord's providence I mean, Ruth and Naomi just happened to return at harvest time. Ruth, and Ruth just happens to choose Boaz's field. Boaz just happens to show up when Ruth is there. I mean, God's providence is all the way through this. Boaz just happens to take a shine to her. If you're struggling today, you've got things going on in your life, Ask the Lord to open your eyes that you might see him around you. And you need to know that no matter what you're going through, God is with you. He is. You are precious to him. And he walks with you in your pain. Second thing we learn from Naomi, people are important. You've got to be part of God's community. Ruth was her community. The people, when she came back to Bethlehem, hey, Naomi's here. At the end, when, when the baby's born, who's praising? It's not Naomi. It's all the women in the town. You got a baby. This is awesome. God is going to restore you. He's going to bring your youth back to you. You got someone to look after you when you get old. Even when she, my name's Mara. I'm bitter. Sometimes we need people to just carry us through the pain, don't we? We need people to carry us through when, when things are tough and, and, and time, it's just, ah. Uh. Sometimes you need people to bear your burdens for you or with you. I know there have been times in my life where 
gosh, it's just tough sometimes. And I have relied on the prayers of other people. When it's just kind of empty and it's like, oh, I know other people are praying for me. Thank you, God. Thank you for that. So what do we learn from Ruth? Wow. She was loyal. She was kind. She is just a wonderful person. Proverbs 21, 21 says, One who pursues righteousness and loyalty finds life, righteousness, and honor. The Lord rewards loyalty. Proverbs 3, 3 says, Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Ruth's loyalty and kindness to, to Naomi was rewarded by Boaz's generosity and kindness. What goes around comes around, right? In fact, Boaz even said, he prayed that prayer, may the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come take, to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He didn't know he was going to be the reward. <laughs> That's kind of neat. And God blessed her loyalty by providing a redeemer and a son, Obed. She, Ruth is just a, a truly magnificent woman. She really is. When you go to that verse 311, Boaz describes her as a virtuous woman. So I looked up that verse in, in a number of different translations, and I just love it. In the NIV, it says, a woman of noble character. In the New American, it says, a woman of excellence. In the English Standard Version, it says, a worthy woman. The word translated as virtuous here is the same one as in Proverbs 31. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. I mean, she was a sweetheart. A woman of honor, a woman of loyalty. She was hardworking. She was obedient. And she became a blessed woman. And I love that. She is described as Better than seven sons. Which leads us to Boaz. It's Father's Day. I want to finish up with Boaz. Because he became the father, great grandfather of David and, and the lineage of Jesus. What can we learn from Boaz? Four character traits that, that I picked out. And I'm going to go through them really quickly. Generosity. He was generous. He told... These, these are his fields. This is his harvest. Drop extra, guys. Leave extra. Let her pick from the best spot. Here, have some of our food. Have our water. Spread out your cloak. Let me fill that up for you. He was just a generous guy, openly generous. He wasn't stingy with what he had. He was a man of integrity. He went about his business the right way. When she came to him and she's at the bottom of the bed, he said, oh, no, there's somebody else in line. And he does it properly. He goes to the gate. He talks to the guy. He gets the elders there. It's your job to redeem. But if you don't want to, I'll take that responsibility. He was a man of integrity. He was a man of honor. You know, we dishonor people when we take honor from them. Maybe what we say about them or what we let other people say about them. And we dishonor people when we take advantage of their disadvantage. Ruth and Naomi were disadvantaged. But Boaz didn't take advantage of that. He 
he protected her. He cared for her. And he treated her with honor. When she came to stay that night and he covered her over, he said, make sure nobody knows that you were here. He didn't do anything. He could have took advantage of her right then, but he didn't. And he wanted to protect her reputation. We don't live in a society that honors people. You know, we live in a horrible society. Payday loans. Let's find the most disadvantaged people and take as much from them as we can. It's just, I don't know, it's disgusting to me. And then kindness. The very essence of this story is kindness. Naomi was kind to Ruth. She said, go back to your family. Get yourself a husband. Ruth was kind to Naomi. Boaz was kind to both Ruth and Naomi. And Ruth was kind to Boaz in the end. She became his wife. He's thinking, wow, you know, you're a good-looking girl. You, you, everybody knows that you're an honor. You, you could probably pick someone good, but you picked me. It's like a kindness love fest. Everybody's being kind to everybody else. I want to close with this. Kindness matters. Kindness activates your love. You know, Jesus said, love your neighbor, right? Jesus said, love your enemy. And we can do that in our heads. Oh, I need to love my enemy. But when you are kind to someone, you put your love in action. It's easy to say love, but kindness is an action. And we need some kindness in our society. Colossians 3.12 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, God chose you to love you, to be holy. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You put on those things. That's very, very attractive. You know, Father's Day today. We can be harsh. Dads can be a little harsh. I hear it all the time. It's always the same story. I've got a couple sitting there and, and she says, he's really harsh. And, and he says, we've got rules. I don't know why we have rules. She doesn't follow the rules. And you hear it all the time. She's interested in the relationship. He's interested in the rules. And we can lean on the harsh side. You know, I think back to when I was raising my kids. And as I was going through, I thought, man, I was great. No. <laughs> so many times, you know, when, the, when you could have shown kindness, you showed harshness. Because it wasn't done the way you want it done. They didn't do things the way that things should be done. So I just want to kind of leave this with you. Don't get cold feet. Who can you cover over with kindness today? Who do you need to show some kindness to that when you think, you know what, I've been a little harsh here. Kindness goes a long, long way. We could all do with a little bit more, right? How do you feel when someone shows kindness to you? It's great, isn't it? It's just, it lifts you. It's like, wow. 
Because kindness usually comes when it's not deserved. It's just an offering of something nice. My wife is a very kind person. To the point I've decided I'm going to let you come back from England. I've been thinking about it. This is my act of kindness. But give it a couple of weeks because there's still some cleaning to be done. Um, but think about that today. All right? As we leave here, I just want you to pray. What is your action step from this story? What do you learn from Naomi? What do you learn from Ruth? What do you learn from Boaz? And if you learn nothing else, be kind. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you. We saw that. We sang that last song about your loving kindness brings us to repentance. Your loving kindness brings us to a change of mind. And Father, may we take the kindness and the generosity and the faithfulness you have shown to us. Father, may we clothe ourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Father, if there's someone here today that needs some kindness, would you bring someone into their life just to show them that kindness? And Father, help each and every one of us be that kind person today. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. think to about getting the wireless mic so sorry about that okay i have a few announcements i'm going to cover for today just to keep everybody in your bolt back of your bolt and has these as well women's ministry uh, is celebrating uh the birthday celebration is june 26 from 10 to 10 50 in the fellowship hall right over here uh it's a come and go get together and it's honored those who have birthdays in april may and june okay so you can see Nancy Lopez or Sue Moore for more information about that. We have Vacation Bible School coming up soon, July 25th through the 29th, 630 to 9 p.m. They still need volunteers. And if you've never done this before, trust me, it'll be a life-changing experience for you if you go help those kids and show them the love that Christ has and be kind to them, as we were talking about earlier. It's a real awesome experience. So if, uh, if you can contact Libby, she's normally in the hall right back here if you'd like to be a part of that. So please sign up. Also, Hutchins, Kairos, don't forget that. Uh, we had our second meeting in here yesterday. We had pr close to 40 people, 35, 40 people in here in our team meeting. Becky's joined the team. It's really awesome. And uh, we're preparing this group. We're preparing to be one as we go into the prison so they see this one body coming in all there to show the love of Christ. So um, if you want to, in the, in the lobby, we have the prayer slips. If you had not signed one yet, you can sign your name on a prayer slip. You can buy a meal for somebody. Um, and you can come to the closing, too, if you'd like to see the life change that happens in those three days with those guys at the end. You can come join us on that Sunday for the closing. If you need any more or would like to learn any more about that, you're certainly welcome to come talk to me about it. Also, uh, there's a reminder that the Women of Joy Conference, it's going to be in September in San Antonio. Um, we need to let Becky know. Raise your hand, Becky. Uh, can you all see her on the camera? No, just kidding. Uh, 
need to let Becky know if you want to be a part of that because uh, you'll get the $10 saving on the price. She needs to know by tomorrow. So it would be great if you go see her today or call her today and let her know that you want to be a part of that. I'm sure it's going to be an awesome conference, okay? Um, if you're visiting here today, if you're new here, there's a, a card that you, we'd love you to fill out and tell us about your visit. You know, we won't contact you unless you ask us to because it would be great. Also, in the back of your seat, there's prayer request cards. So if you have a prayer request, please fill the card out. You can drop it in the offering basket, which we're about to do in a minute, or you can put it in that little box right over there, that little basket right over there. Also, we have online on our website, you can submit prayer requests there as well. If I could have those who are going to take the offering come forward. Let me pray for our offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this message today about kindness, Lord. Uh, we thank you for your love for us. Lord, right now, we would just ask that you take this offering that we're bringing to you, this, uh, our tithes and our offerings, Lord, and that you use them for the kingdom work that needs to be done here. It, you know, as we've said in the past, uh, you don't need our money. It's part of our devotion to you that we give that money. As part of our tithe to you, Lord. So I pray that you use them in a powerful way. You multiply them just like Jesus multiplied the bread and the fish, Lord, and that you use it for your kingdom growth and your work and your discipleship that happens at this place and around us and over the Internet, Lord. We just ask for your blessing on it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right, if everybody will rise and stand, uh, I'll dismiss this with prayer. Father, thank you for this day, Lord. I pray for a blessing on all the fathers today, Lord, that you let them have an awesome day, Lord, and uh, have the great time with their family, Lord. We thank you for this message today. We ask that you go with each and every one of us and, and just secure us through this day, Lord. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. You're dismissed.